I did throw together a list of five. I'm very confident in it, but just in case, I will be Google. I will be googling other moments just in case. I'll be googling it. Fine. <laughs> While you guys are talking, I'll just be like revising. Oh God, Walter! So everyone's gonna go before me as I. And if you hear like typing, just know I'm like rigorously like. Is that what I remember happening? Oh, Jesus H. This is the most last minute episode I've done in a while, man. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Murder Board Podcast. I'm your host, Walter Williams III. And tonight, I am joined with Corey. What up? John. How's it going? And back from the depths of Gotham, Alex. What it do? And tonight, we will be discussing, well, we will be continuing our little anime miniseries as we dive into some important anime films while talking about our favorite anime and the genre as a whole. Um, I do want to bring up the fact that uh, the spring season has started, um, so we'll talk about that. But the main event that we will talk about is, number one, our top five anime moments, and maybe some honorable mentions in there, as well as our review of the movie Perfect Blue. So if you haven't seen this movie, this is your spoiler warning, and if you have, I hope you enjoy our little show here. First of all, welcome back, gentlemen. Alex, long time no speak. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a long ass time. I mean, I do want to apologize because I know you said you wanted to do uh or to check back with you when we did uh Psycho Two. We ended up doing it. I just forgot <laughs> to yeah. ask you. Um, <laughs> but if it helps, recommendable movie. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll probably have to watch that on my own some other time. I think I was like busy at that time anyway. Yeah, no problem. Um, but yeah, so welcome to season five of the Murderboard Podcast. I got to make sure I say that to everyone who's been on here that comes back because this is a new season. Uh, we're doing things a bit differently, so welcome, uh, John Corey. Welcome back, second episode. John fist pump in the air for me. All right, um, let's just dive right in. So yeah, the spring season for anime has started. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not the biggest anime person. I don't know if I said that last time, but. I'm not the biggest, but I'm easing my way back in. But from my knowledge, the spring season has started, thus meaning that Demon Slayer is back season three or movie three. I think it's season three, though. Um, That gets confusing (laughs) because let me tell you, when I was trying to watch like the season two, I watched it in seasons and it works better for me as a TV series series. But someone told me it was a movie and I was like, excuse me, (laughs) what? (laughs) And so I was like, do I need to watch the movie or the show? And they're like, just watch the show. Luckily for me, it was all relatively the same, but I have not started season three just yet. It's waiting on my queue along with all the other stuff. I have not gotten a chance to watch this week. It's been a busy week for me. Um, but have you guys started Demon Slayer? Are you watching Demon Slayer? What are your, what are your thoughts on Demon Slayer? Um, John, when we start with you. I am part of the way through the Mugen Strain arc. That's season two slash the movie that you were just discussing. Um, I think I've only made it about four or five episodes in. Everybody's asleep on the train right now, and they're messing around in people's dreams. But it's been a couple weeks since I watched that episode. I've had a lot going on. But the show itself, high quality for sure. I was very excited with season one. It was definitely really good. I've heard really good things about season two. 
And obviously, I have yet to see season three, but I do look forward to it. All right, all right. All right, uh, Corey, what about you? Demon Slayer season three or overall thoughts on that show? Um, So I haven't got a chance to start up on uh, season two yet. So I finished Demon Slayer season one around like, I think, two months ago. I just haven't had a chance to start up the, you know, the train arc yet just because of the fact of like, I, I just haven't had the time to, but I love Demon Slayer. It's like, for me, the fight scenes in that show legitimately top tier. It's funny. And also just the animation style itself is just crispy. Crispy. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Alex, what about you? Any thoughts on Demon Slayer? Have you started season three? Have you watched the series? Uh, well, I guess I'm like with everyone else. I'm not caught up all the way. Uh, I watched the first season and uh, the train arc movie. I watched like the first two episodes of season two. Um, I, I really like it. Um, yeah, I wish I caught up with it because the only thing that's I'm really keeping up with is Attack on Titan and the uh, Vinland Saga. But Demon Slayer is definitely on the list to catch up with since people kept keep saying that the new season's still good. So. All right, and I've heard a lot about Vinland Saga this past week. A lot of people just out of nowhere started talking about it on Twitter on my feed. So I was like, okay, well, that's added to the list. Yeah, it's really good. Like season one and season two are very different, but it tells like a very complicated story. Gotcha, gotcha. I'll report back to that um, at some point. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, I didn't mean to, uh, to skip this part, but. Alex, are you, you know, just in general, are you an anime fan? What's your relationship with anime? Uh, yeah, I am an anime fan. Um, the past couple of years, I've kept up with like what's new a lot, but yeah, I, I've watched a ton of stuff. Not not all the big stuff. Like I still haven't watched like Bleach or any Yasha or anything, but like Dragon Ball Z, um, like the Death Notes and Hunter Hunter. Yeah, I've watched that. N- nothing like extremely long shown that I haven't watched. Do you have a favorite of all time? It's Gurren Lagan. Ooh. What is yeah. that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's a it's a mech anime. It's it's not made by Studio Trigger, but it's made by Studio Trigger before they were Trigger. Um it's just like it's a short, like probably twenty episode anime and like like it begins with like a bunch of people underground. Cause they're, cause the earth is like overtaken by like robots and whatnot. And then like they find a robot they control and then just keep fighting to get out on the ground. And then it just keeps expanding off of that. It's really good. All right. Sounds great. Okay. So continuing, um, Jujutsu Kaisen, I believe is ramping up for its second season. Anime is weird, but, um, I don't know if it's premiered yet. I don't think so, but it should be by the end of this month. So again, mm-hmm. we can go back around here, starting with uh, John. Jujutsu Kaisen, have you been watching? Are you um, keeping up with that show? What are your thoughts on season two, if you have any? I'm definitely caught up with the show. The show is really quality. The movie that came out was also really good. That was a prequel in this case, instead of the second season. Um, both the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero and season one are really, really, really good. I suggest anybody go out and check them out if you're under Shonen, for sure. Um, I'm looking forward to Season 2. I've unfortunately gotten a couple of spoilers because of Reddit, but, you know, it'd be that way. Uh, no, it's, it's going to be lit. <laughs> All 
All right. All right. Hey, I, I just looked it up because I was unsure, but it is, I guess it's the summer season, but it comes out July 6th of this year. So still a little ways to go, but a lot of people were talking about Jujutsu Kaisen this past week on, again, on my Twitter feed. I don't know about anybody else, but it got a lot of buzz. So Corey, what about you? Jujutsu Kaisen? Dude, first of all, love the show to death. Like that's like one of my, I gotta say that's like one of my top 10 animes just because I, first of all, I love the comedy in it. It had me laughing like on the floor, like a lot of the time. And then like just the story arc itself was pretty good too. Um, I haven't watched the movie either. I wasn't interested in watching the movie, but people have been talking like a lot of good things about it. So I might watch, I might watch the movie here soon, but but no, Jujutsu Kaisen, I'd say for me, that's like 10 out of 10, bro. And what about you, Alex? Any uh, any thoughts on Jujutsu Kaisen? Excited for season two? Oh, yeah. I, I, I love Jujutsu Kaisen because usually when it comes to like uh, like shows about like super powered kids in schools, I, I don't care for. But th- this is the one. Oh, no. <laughs> Was that a huge, uh, just a huge shade of My Hero Academia? <laughs> It definitely well, was, bro. I, I, okay, I don't dislike My Hero Academia, but you don't? It, it got tired. I don't dislike it, but it <laughs> just got tiring. It got tiring after a while. Oh, I, I might catch up with it or not someday. I don't know, man. Look, I'm on the same boat as you. Um, I like season one, but like that's about it. Uh, yeah. I I expect I expressed this last week, but I love My Hero Academia. And again, you know, Alex, like I'm a huge X Men fan, so that's how that's yeah. like the closest thing to me <laughs> as far as as far as like new newer updated X Men. I'm not reading the comics right now, but yeah, like I I love My Hero, so I need to watch the the last episode. But it's that that kind of cut a little that kind of cut a little bit deep. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of feel like no. you just called me out there, player. Like yeah. that? Yeah, right. I think it's not, it's not a bad show. It's just that it gets tired after a while. It, it gets a little repetitive, and I think the thing that kind of pushed me off was something that does push me off of a lot of anime sometimes, and like, you know, sexualizing middle schoolers. Not my thing, dog. That is weird. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's definitely... Okay, yeah, 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 you got a point there. Are they? In, I guess. I guess they're like still. Valid. All right. Well, I mean, I guess they're high schoolers, but is that better, Walter? Mm, not better. That's <laughs> well, not. No. Then, it, mm, mm, yeah, it's a tough Don't, subject. No, it's not. We try not to get no, into that. It's, no. <laughs> you should not sexualize underlings. But no, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> all right. Uh. So yeah. Cool. 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 That's it for. A little interrogation of news. Let's take our first break and then we'll get back to a list of our top five anime moments. What the? <sighs> Hello, is anyone there?
Alright guys, welcome back. Let's talk about our top five anime moments. We have a list of five here. Uh, no particular order, much like last time, but if you do have a particular order, go ahead and state it. Who wants to go first? Usually I would pick somebody, but who's who wants to go? Mm, I can go. Alright. Well, this is kind of a spoiler for Attack on Titan. I'm not sure if any of you who hasn't seen it yet. Am I good for spoilers on, on Attack on Titan? Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I have not fully caught up, but you can go ahead. I'm because I don't really like Attack on Titan, but I'm from what they told me last week. I need to just go ahead and keep watching. But you can go ahead. Where Where are you in Attack on Titan? I'm still in season one, dude. So, <laughs> oh damn. Okay, you can go right on. <laughs> okay, ahead. spoilers don't. I spoilers don't affect me as much. Like I was fine okay. being spoiled with Endgame. Like okay. that's it's true. Not, it's a lot bigger of a twist than Endgame, bro. Oh my god, I don't know. I was able to guess. It's, look, most of it. <laughs> one of. I think that it's likely what you're talking about is on my list, but I tried to keep it as vague as I could in the description. Well, yeah. well the, the, I, I can keep it kind of vague. Yeah, go, um, go right ahead. Okay, my my thing, my one of mine is the reveal of the armored and giant titan because just the way it happens, it happens so nonchalantly, and then just kicks up the action just out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is that not what you had, or is it something different? Not exactly the same. No, no, no. Yours was definitely earlier on. Mine was one okay. of the more recent things, actually. Okay, but yeah, that 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 was like like a real big like it it turned uh, tackle tight up but like a huge notch for me on that one. I can't talk about it too much. <laughs> I almost spoil it. <laughs> uh, let's see what else I got from Hunter Hunter. It was gone. Like he had that little level up moment. Um, it was after was it kite died oh sorry spoilers for hunter hunter <laughs> hey i've already gave the spoiler warning at the top of the show so you are well in the right people <laughs> out there listening if you don't want to be spoiled just click the little skip button skip about 15 yeah. 30 seconds <laughs> they got exactly. it yeah you know how to work a phone you're listening to this yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he just kind of leveled up and uh beat the shit out of p2 um, what else I got? I got Goku going Super Saiyan 1 for the first time. That's just a classic. Uh, from Full Metal Alchemist, uh, it was Roy Mustang. He just went ape shit that one time after he thought, uh, Hawkeye died. Yes. That, that was great. And the final one is, it's just the final fight from Gorin Lagan because just like, at the beginning of the show, it's them finding a small piece of a mecha and then trying to and then trying to go out of underground. But the final fight is like they have all these pieces of mechas and they're like throwing galaxies at each other. It just like <laughs> ramped up throughout the whole, the whole show for like a bunch of action. It's really great. Oh man, you say throwing galaxies, and I immediately think of frisbees. Just <laughs> just tossing. It, it's it's almost like that. <laughs> oh, I need to look this up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was my top five. All right. Sounds good. 
All right, John, you're up next. Top five anime moments. Just go right on down the list. You got it. I'm going to start off by saying that was a really solid list. Actually, number mm-hmm. four on my list is one of yours. It was Gon versus Pito. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, he didn't just level up, bro. Like that. I don't think I actually finished where that was in the anime, but in the manga. Um, I mean, do you know what happens to him after he did that, bro? Uh, what happens in the manga? Gon, you know how Karapika, like, made that, uh, Nin binding, like, promise on each of his chains? He's like, I'm only gonna use it for this, that, and the other, and that's why it's so strong? Yeah. Gon promised that he was never going to touch Nin ever again in order to just be strong enough to beat Pito in this moment. And so, he goes to, like, full near death and is on life support and in a coma at the end of doing that, because he... He, like, skips to that part of his life. They literally, like, Nin moves him to where he would be at his absolute prime and peak later in his years. And then he pushes back with the Nin and everything. And homie's in, like, critical shape. He's never going to be able to do anything again. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I guess I got to start reading. It. I don't know. Man. <laughs> um, I think they'll probably end up catching up. Well, I mean, starting up the anime again soon. They've recently started up the manga again after, like, seven years of a hiatus. Damn. So. Well, the dude is like the author of it is chronically ill. Homie's got like really, really bad health problems. Um, He's already got the ending written, and if he passes away before he's able to finish writing it, his wife is supposed to finish it for him. She's the uh, author of Sailor Moon. Ooh, okay. Mm -hmm. Quick aside here: Um, Is it just me, or is every single like anime slash manga creator just? either really really sick or very very old because like i feel like that's always the case like dragon ball akira toriyama that's that's he forgets and he's also very old i think um who's also like the guy that does uh oh there's another dude that's like super duper old still doing shit uh is it naruto no i don't know but like yeah just is that is it just me or is, is that is that always the case like every everybody and i guess that's why it takes so long but Jeez. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Toriyama's old, yeah, but he's also like one of the originals. So of course he's going to be old. He's the one that inspired most of the stuff that we see today. Yeah, the dude that writes Attack on Titan is pretty young. The dude that wrote uh, Naruto, I think he's only like in his fifties. So realistically, he's not really that old. Oh, okay. Um, JoJo's has been coming out for quite a while. It's been coming out since like the eighties, and that dude's only like in his sixties. That was like forty years ago. So he's he was like in his twenties when he was writing it. You know what I mean? There's definitely shows being written by people that are younger, i.e. Attack on Titan, Jujutsu Kaisen. But, um, I mean, it's just going to be like the next wave of people that come out. I think Oda's still pretty young, the guy that writes One Piece. Pretty sure he's even younger than the dude that writes Naruto, or wrote Naruto, rather. Yeah, Oda's like not even 50. I also forgot to mention, I, I am also watching a Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm still in season one, <laughs> but I it took me okay. a while to warm up to the show. That's that's why. Like, I started it and, like, got through the first three episodes, and I was like, I don't know this is for me. I don't really like the main character. But then I just kept going at it. So it's, it's, I'm at the point where it is kind of warming up. They're kind of just battling a lot of monsters right now. So that's where I'm at. I'm, like, in the middle of season one, but... Okay, I just want to throw that in there. Throw that in there. Oh yeah. So the ne- next thing, I'm gonna, sorry, I got really distracted by the Jones and Pito thing. All right. So, um, the number one thing on my list though was actually also spoiler alert, obviously for these next two things. But um, Naruto meeting his mom—that shit had me sobbing like a fucking baby. Um, 
And then Naruto coming out in stage mode during the pain fight, that shit was ridiculously hype. Um, number three was Vegeta sacrificing himself in the fight against Boo. That shit was really, really lit. And then um, for Attack on Titan, it's Aaron's dad's flashback about Aaron for me. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that was the... Uh... Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, like the, the newest Aaron's dad's flashback. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't spoil too much. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's what we're leaving it. <laughs> we love a good tease. We love a good tease. Solid list, guys. Solid list so far. Corey? Okay, so look, you guys made some amazing points in your uh, list. I, For me, I chose like points that I liked, but I knew not, not a lot of people knew about just because of the fact of like, I know some people will give me flack for this, but like I told, like I said earlier, I like I have <laughs> Dragon Ball Z abridged in my list, yes. <laughs> and it's because it's so fucking funny. Because I quote it, so, and I quote because I quote it sometimes. But here I go. So the number, so it's not really in a particular order, but like the first thing I I wrote down was uh was when Vegeta. I forgot. So I have I have to look back at it real quick, but I for, I think I think he was fighting uh. I think he was fighting uh, Frieza, mm-hmm. and or what? Uh, no, it might have been the Android. So it might have been Doctor Jarreau, uh and Dragon Ball Z abridged. And he said, and I quote: "He said, I'm going to pound you so hard, the boy's mother's going to get jealous." And I <laughs> think I sat there and laughed for like two hours. Yes, that Bruh. was that was, the, that was the androids. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I sat there. I, sat there. I was crying so hard because I'm just like, he didn't just say. <laughs> and then you just hear chunks in the background like could you just not please <laughs> oh god i'm like that's what makes vegeta that 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 guy you know what i'm saying Dude. <laughs> he's a menace love love their vegeta oh man um <laughs> sorry start thinking about it again I'm just like trying to hold back not to quote the rest of like th- what happens, but like yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> like if I'm allowed one, I just remember the, the when he figured out when he finally figured out Trunks was his kid. He was like, <laughs> was it TN? Because TN's like taunting him. He's like, are you implying that that boy that boy with the no? He's like um um uh, no. It's, I think it's Krillin. He's like. Oh, what's the boy yeah, doing here? Trunks, you're back. He said, don't you, don't you think it's weird that that boy has uh, the same name as your baby? He, oh, yeah, he's like, Trunks, that's a girl's yeah. name. He's like, isn't your kid named yeah. Trunks? He's like, aren't you, are you implying that that kid's name is, ah. Uh, my, are you implying that that, that <laughs> yeah. wannabe Super Saiyan is my, uh. <laughs> okay, yeah. He said, well, that cat's on the bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I love Dragon Ball Super Saiyan. <laughs> So we're going to come back to the Dragon Ball Z bridge, but the other one I put down on my list, it was, I believe it was in Cowboy Bebop, the final episode. Oh, yeah. The final fight? Yeah. Final fight. Literally the final fight. And when I mean the final fight, I mean the end, where, you know, uh, Spike walks out the church and he's covered, like his head's covered in blood, and you don't know if Spike died or not. And I'm just sitting here, because that's where they left Cowboy Bebop for, like, the longest they came out with a movie that came before that point. And I'm just like, bro, I want an ending. Just give me an ending. <laughs> I think I sat there and I was like, I think I was tweaking on it for days too. Cause I'm like, 
Because again, I was so sucked into the Cowboy Bebop. Like I think I, again, Cowboy Bebop's not a long show. You know, like it's one season, but I finished it in like a day. <laughs> so <laughs> I was sitting, I was sitting here sucked into Cowboy Bebop, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be like the fucking coldest ending I've ever seen in my life. And then they do that. I'm just like, you blue balling bitch! How <laughs> dare you! <laughs> How dare you! I, I think I yeah I was kind of upset about that neither here nor there and I don't, and we were talking about this last episode so I think you we were saying that we kind of qualify Avatar as an anime somewhat me personally it fits within the the realm of it right the, it fits like it's adjacent like it's 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 like um um it's like it's if everyone's in if all the anime like you know tropes and rules are sitting in a car Avatar the Last Airbender is sitting on someone's lap. That's how I think about mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Weird that's analogy, what I'm thinking too. That's, that's what we're going with. <laughs> that was very weird. I don't know why the lap <laughs> part, but you know, I could have said sitting in the trunk or something like that. But you know no, what? We're, we're laughing. To out. each his own. Yeah. You know, so, not laughing out. Any <laughs> anywho's. Um, of course, I feel like people will know if I'm gonna bring up Avatar, and I mean the original I think people are gonna realize I'm gonna talk about uh the battle between Aang and you know, General Ozai. It was not General Ozai. Fuck. Fire Lord Ozai. Fire Lord Ozai. I don't know why I said General. I'm or Mark Hamill if you want to be comfortable. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. Mark Hamill. <laughs> 100%. The Joker. <laughs> Fuck the Joker. <laughs> but in all reality, I think that was like the first time of me watching something to that caliber. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that was a big moment for everybody who was starting to like dabble their pinky toes in the realm of anime. Like, that was a big fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a big thing that was, I guess, on, well, that was on TV. You know what I'm saying? For people that didn't actually watch animes, but, like, like I said, were dipping their pinky toes in. Like, <laughs> watching Aang fucking go into Avatar State and then just fucking demolish Ozai. <laughs> just fucking whooping his ass. He was talking all this shit. Then, he un- then, you know, he went to the Avatar State, and then he was just fucking him up. Left, right, up, down, fucking... <laughs> then took his fucking bending away. And I'm like, that was, I think that was, like I said, that was like a moment where I'm like, oh shit, this is not a kid show. <laughs> so you have that. I think the third one I have on my list was the battle. It wasn't a battle with Perfect Cell. It was when they, it's, it's Dragon Ball Z a bridge again. And it's when they fought Perfect Cell the second time. Oh, so like the end of the Cell games. No, like not the end of the cell games. Like when he wasn't, like when he wasn't in his, he was in his semi-perfect form. When, when, um, are you saying when, like, who was it? Eighteen gets spat, spat out. I think so. I think that's what it, that's where it happened. at, is when eighteen got spat out. Um, because it was when Vegeta goes, uh, where uh, cells like, oh, you think you're cute? Vegeta's like, bitch, I'm adorable. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> they were writing their asses off of Vegeta. I'm like, Vegeta's the alpha that we need. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I think I like that that specifically because I, I actually quote it a lot in my real life. Because someone will be like, oh, you think you're being cute. I'm like, no, nah, bitch, I'm adorable. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it, too. So, yeah, <laughs> you, know I'll do, you know I'd say that, too, in a heartbeat, but... I just think, like I said, I, I think I put those two on the list just because, like I said, I enjoy 
the like because these guys know the fucking source material, right? They know the source material, but they also put their own comedic twist on it. So, like, I respect that. Like, they didn't fuck it up to, like, where they made it, like, so corny and it went off, really off base. But it was, it was funny for what it was, though. Like, especially Mr. Popo. <laughs> Mr. Popo in that series was fucking horrible. Dude, he's a rapist. And it was so weird. I'm like, why is this a thing, man? Why? <laughs> Let's talk about this. <laughs> I just so, Jinx. Yeah, I literally <laughs> Shut up, bitch. Shut up, bitch. He's like, uh, Mr. Popo dropped a lot of acid today. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when Kami appears, Mr. Popo, I'm back. Ah! <laughs> I'm so fucking high right now. Oh, God. I fucking okay. love that. Um, so, <laughs> the number four on my list was. Takes out the reading yeah, I literally had to pick up my reading glasses and I'm like, oh, so what? <laughs> oh, My Hero Academia. Yay. And it's it's the most <laughs> recent episode when, uh, okay, I'm going to spoil this. Wait, is it Go the ahead. last? It might get me to watch it. Is it the last episode or is it one of the recent, like, ones that have passed? Uh, it was like the last episode. Well, I think it was the last episode. The last one I watched was when uh, he went up against pretty much the entire Okay, okay, a. okay. You're good, good. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I just wanted to make okay, sure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like... So it just showed, first of all, I mean, because you see a broken Deku pretty much. And I think I was like sitting there, I was like, bro, I've been feeling bad for my boy since they got kicked out the fucking school in the first place. <laughs> I'm like, my brother in Christ, he's been on the run for fucking year, for what seemed like decades. Like literally when I was looking at him, you know what I thought about? What? Robert Pattinson's Batman. Uh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. He did. <laughs> Literally, like looking at his ass, I'm like, "This is, this is Robert Pattinson Batman, bro. Like, this is, this is not a, this isn't okay at all." Until you do so, that, so thrown off. But yeah, go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, I think it was in that episode where, like, you see his class trying to like take him back, and he's just like, "No, nah, I just do it on my own." And you see, like, the caliber on how, like, I know he has like gear to pretty much control his powers, just because his body can't handle it still somewhat. But, like, you see, like, the mastery that he has with his powers. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. watching him go raw form, pretty much, and pretty much taking on an entire, the entire class of, like, elite, technically elite superheroes. You know what I'm saying? Like, the top of the top. And he's, like, taking on everybody by himself. Like, and he's, and he's fucking people. Well, he's not fucking people up, of course. But, you know, he's, he's fucking up. He's, he's getting it. He's eating, bro. He's eating. 100%. Dude, but, like... And, Oh, sorry, but if okay. I could, like if I could just add like something to that because that episode had me bawling, and I don't normally like emote to things as much, but like that episode, because not like you're saying Deku is displaying this like growth he's had using these different abilities, but like for me personally, it it was definitely giving UA the class class one A everyone their their time to like really shine. For like just a split second before we get back to the main story, because they are trying to get their friend back, and I really loved how they showed they showcased everyone has used everyone's powers has evolved and they have used it to this new level. To their they're all basically mastering it, you know. Like Uraka, mm. you know, she could barely you know keep it together. Now she's in the air, su sustaining and not throwing up with Deku going at the same amount of speed, man. But the person that always gets me in when it comes to like the group stuff with ua is tinya ida like i love 
Tinius so much. And when he like mm-hmm. blasts off with the help of Bakugo and like he ends up grabbing Deku, I had to like pause and just like, look, I am a man. And I, need <laughs> I am to, a man. it is it is two <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I need to compose myself. I do not need to ugly cry in the middle of the night right now. But Tenya, <laughs> any episode with Tenya when he's pushing the limits with Deku it always gets me. So yeah, go go ahead, continue. I just wanted to bring that in. Like Deku displays mastery, but everyone else does as well. And I was gonna say this. I mean, yeah, because you pretty much brought a good moment. Because like I, I'm gonna say, I was I was on the verge of tears, and it wasn't until Bakugo talked to Deku where mm. I fucking lost it. I lost it. What's it I cried so fucking hard bro i was not i was not okay <laughs> what's his what's his superhero name again <laughs> that's all brother it's something it's, it's something long weird. and stupid bro it's something long and stupid and i just i don't Is call it still that. captain blast something yeah like captain yes. explosion murder something yeah <laughs> some fucking dumb shit bro just nothing <laughs> changes <laughs> It is the dumbest no. name, but like it works for him. <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah, because he's a pompous asshole, dude. But I'm gonna be real with you. This was like like wa- like again watching because again I again I'm spoiling this, but what got me was that he apologized to Deku. I think that's what hit me the hardest because this is the one man that has been fucking with this kid since day one, out the womb. <laughs> like I, sorry, not out the womb, but you know what I mean. He, since. Since he got his powers, since uh, Bakugo got his powers, and Deku never got any, he's been fucking with this kid nonstop. And he told, and he said why he was doing it because he realized, regardless of me having my powers, you still were the one that was better than I was, and I was jealous. And he was jealous of it, and he like said, "I'm sorry." I think, and at that point, I'm like, you know, and that's what I was like. I did what Walter did. I was like, "I'm a man. I don't need to be DMX crying right now, bro." I don't need to be DMX crying right now. I don't. I don't need it. I don't need it at all. I don't need to be sitting here dry heaving on my bed about this fucking scene. That's what I don't need. Fucking wake up the next morning dehydrated as shit. Fucking <laughs> need water and shit because you're just. I'm just like you're like SpongeBob and Patrick just just crumbled. Fucking I need it. Oh, man. That, is a, that is a good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, and like I said, they're not really in any order, so they all shift around. It just depends on how I'm feeling that day. And I think the final one that I had was from <laughs> it's from an uh, anime called Konosuba. I don't know if you guys know what that anime is. Hey, someone knows, <laughs> bro. Yeah, brother, I'm gonna tell you right now, the entire series is fucking gold. But like <laughs> the scene that got me, I think it was from the the movie that came out was when mm-hmm. he got uh, when he got caught by that glory or oh uh, my god I knew this what? before was coming <laughs> oh yeah you know what I'm talking about when he got caught by that Griffin or he let himself get caught by that Griffin or whatever it was was it a Griffin or was it a it's not a Griffin I can't remember what it's called but I'm, what, uh, hold on <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was called I got my phone out so I can figure it out relatively quickly Google I appreciate it because <laughs> I'm just like it I, it was it was Fucking something, bro. I forgot what it was. <laughs> Their name was Sylvia and Amara. That's what it is. Okay, yeah. And he's like, uh, he's like, you know, he's all sucked into pretty much like 
he like she grabbed him, whatever, and he's like all up in her boobs, whatever. And he's like, you know, I, I, I'm cool right here. Like I'm chilling. And it wasn't until <laughs> he fucking felt something touch his fucking butt. Oh my god, dude! He's like, what? He said, I have a question. Um, is that? Is there something touching my? Is there something touching my butt? Is there, is there something down there? And she was like, "Yeah, pretty much." <laughs> and then he started freaking out. One of them said, "Bro, it was like one of the funniest scenes I think I've ever seen. I think I watched it on repeat too, and I was just crying laughing because he was just like, you guys need to appreciate me more.' And then that happened. I just, I think I just started. I think I just fucking. He was laying in some titties, pretending he was being brave until he felt the team, and then he ran away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, that's my top five right there. <laughs> he was a real man. That's when he would have known that it was really on. <laughs> <laughs> we stand. That is a we stand. That is a great list, dude. All of you guys had really great lists. I need to watch more anime. Is the, is the takeaway here because some of these actually sound really, really good. I'm gonna keep mine sweet short because I thought of it like 20 minutes ago. But <laughs> here's what I got. Number one for me, I think. I had to think, oh, this is the one I struggled with the most, but number one for me will definitely be My Hero Academia is when Deku punches the ever-living shit out of Overhaul. Like, he turns Overhaul, like, and I don't know if, if you know this, you know it, but mm. Alex, for you, let me paint this picture. You have your normal, I, I, like, I'll watch this. Okay, you've seen this. I'll, I'll watch it. His, I, I, I'm like, I, I liked it. <laughs> the sky turns into a bajillion fist, and I will never mm-hmm. not be excited about that. Because that mm-hmm. had me like that punch and not is uh it's so it leaves me speechless because not only did it look painful but it was pretty at the same time <laughs> and so and I just love that entire arc of the the whole overhaul thing I know a lot of people hate on it but I think it's pretty well told regarding Deku and these newer characters but that that one Chef's Kiss number two for me would also be the uh, Goku going Super Saiyan for the first time. This is just an iconic moment. You can't think of, you know, anime and not think of this because all of Dragon Ball is building to this moment. And I feel like when that happens, we do finally get a lot of payoff and a lot of foreshadowing is um, a lot of foreshadowing is settled at that point till we move on. But just the whole fight between Frieza and Goku is great anyway. But that is definitely a great uh, capper on it. My number three, I had to think hard about this one too because my full metal alchemist being my favorite anime has a lot of great moments and a lot of traumatic moments and i know the one that people always talk about always go to but for me the best moment honestly is in episode two where you do see the boys do their full human transmutation trying to get their mom back I don't know why, maybe because I am an older brother and I do have a younger brother whom I was close with growing up. I could see us doing this. Just, I, I don't, I don't know. Just this, the moment it just, I think it's all really done well in the fact that like, it kind of turns into this really fucked up, like Japanese horror movie with like the, whatever they created coming out and (laughs) Ed being this like nine-year-old kid or was he nine? Yeah. About this nine-year-old kid not having a leg anymore. And then (laughs) not seeing his brother near him. I just, the voice acting is really good. Just love that moment. Um, That has to be up there for me. Number four, I'm surprised no one had Naruto on their list, but, and again, me not being that experienced with Naruto, but the entire fight between (laughs) Lee and Gaara, 
just top tier. Top. I love that entire fight from the moment Gara is un, like whooping this kid's ass to the moment where uh, Lee says, "All right, taking off the weights and just disappears." Uh, that is, I love that entire fight, even down to when Gara. Sometimes I do this just for when I'm pissed off at people or just to annoy people, but I do stick my hand out and then do the whole, you know, uh, sand coffin and crush the leg. I, that moment there is a great little ending to that fight. Um, but yeah, love Gara, love Lee. Um, and then number five, <laughs> I, I, again, I recently just watched all of Death Note and there's a great, there's tons and tons of great moments. I don't even think this is a top moment for me, but it's the first one I thought of, but it's just, I just wrote down light eats a potato chip. Just, mm. <laughs> just light mm. goes on his villain monologue and then eats a potato chip. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, what, that's my top five. Uh, I do have some honorable, honorable mentions just because again, I was thinking about all these options, but uh, I'll say, Again, the one that people think about when you talk about Fullmetal Alchemist or Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood is the whole Nina Tucker incident and her becoming the, uh, what is the thing it called again? The the, the Chimera, essentially. That is a very yes. messed up no. moment. <laughs> it has scarred mm. an entire generation that we are still feeling it to this day. <laughs> I feel like that's why our generation is has such a soft spot for dogs. <laughs> just a, oh my God. Just... All, mm -hmm. Just all around. Um, my uh, other honorable mention I have is another My Hero Academia, but Mirio, Mirio Togeda is the best character in My My Hero Academia because this guy took the lamest power and made it into the greatest thing ever. This guy said, I can walk through walls and fall through the earth if I hold my breath, but instead of just dying, he used it to become a human bullet, and I love this final fight between Overhaul I just love the way he screams out power and just he's Superman. I I I love Mirio. Uh also <laughs> the the fight between Deku and Bakugo when uh Bakugo finds out about All for One. Another great I and this goes into something that I'll get into when we talk about Perfect Blue. But I do love when I do love a good antagonist protagonist, but they're kind of like on the they're not evenly matched in the sense of like Iron Man and Ironmonger, but on the sense of like they're evenly matched because they're so different. You know, it mm -hmm. is a kind of a Sasuke and Naruto type of thing, but also it's a for me, it's like this is your. I go back to Hannibal, like Hannibal Lecter. If you've seen the show or if you know the movies, Hannibal and Clarice and Hannibal and Will Graham are evenly matched, and that's kind of where the the story comes from. They're so evenly matched that they complement each other. Same with Professor X and Magneto, but you know, one's obviously wrong and one's obviously right, or you know, it's debatable. I feel the same way about Bakugo and Deku. This goes into what I would also bring up, and this is only because last one, I swear. Um, I brought this up because you did bring up Avatar, Corey, but uh, the fight I, I'm recently watching the show for the upcoming podcast we're doing, but I will say the fight between Katara and Zuko, like the first fight in season one at the end where Zuko mm -hmm. and they're fighting over Aang, like that is a really badass fight. And Katara, That's a cold fight. Yeah. yeah, you really see how Katara just has grown, like from episode one to that episode. She is, and Zuko's not bad either. Him heating the ice and her just re, being reloading and shoving him back into ice. I love that entire <laughs> fight. I also grouped together with that the the fight between uh, Korra and Zaheer, 
season three of Korra is my favorite. It's my favorite bit of Avatar media, honestly, because I do love the fact that we have this airbender who who shifts the the notion of like airbenders. They're you know harmonious nomads. No, this harmonious nomad really really wants to create a cult to kill you, and he basically cripples the Avatar mentally, physically, and psychologically. Like the guy does a lot to break Korra and I do love their final fight to her going to the Avatar state and him just like suffocating her and, and doing the whole metal thing and, mm-hmm. and the result of that so those two go to hand in hand for me but those are my honorable mentions man oh man mm-hmm. we talked a lot of, we talked a lot about great anime moments I'm pretty sure there's a lot out there we have not gotten to or just didn't think about so um, I, I do count Aaron's mom being eaten as a top anime moment, because that's the only thing I remember from Attack on Titan from what I've seen. Oh. <laughs> and just that image is pretty funny, honestly. But, um, we're going to go ahead and take our last break, and then we're going to talk about Perfect Blue. Excuse me, who are you? Excuse me, who are you? Was a pop star. This is Mima's last performance with Cham. Who desired to become an actress. I really hope that I can entertain you just the same as an actress. But sometimes aspirations can be deadly. I'm always watching Mima's room. In the world of make believe, this is when Mima proves herself. The price of fame. Don't worry, Mima, it'll be all right. May not be worth the cost of identity. Where did this come from? How do they know so much? Innocence is lost. Dreams become nightmares. And privacy no longer exists. Where everything you do can be seen by everyone. And those you trust are really those you should fear. Your life no longer belongs to you. Excuse me. Manga you? Entertainment me, presents Satoshi Khan's animated psychological thriller. Perfect Blue. Excuse me, who are you? Excuse me, who are you? All right, everyone, we're back. Let's talk about Perfect Blue. This film was released on February 28th of 1998. It was directed by Satoshi Kon, and the screenplay was written by Sadayuki Murai. And this was based on Perfect Blue, The Complete Metamorphosis by Yoshikazu Takeuchi, and the film stars Junko Iwao and Rika Matsumoto. All right, and the plot goes as such. It's literally the easiest plot I've ever had to read. Uh, A singer quits her band and becomes an actress and sheds her good girl image to further her career. We'll get into everything else. That's all you need to know right now because this movie is wildly confusing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think that's that's that that is the plot of the movie. <laughs> oh man, I have so many questions. Okay, um, the budget for the film was ninety million yen, which I was told was equals to about eighty eight hundred and what the fuck eight hundred thirty thousand four hundred and forty two dollars in U.S. At the time, it could adjust for inflation. Again, check. I usually just divide by like a hundred, and that's about right for the end. Okay. Well, (laughs) 
I don't want to do all that work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, know, I mean, if it's a ninety million, that's like nine hundred thousand. Okay, yours was a, like it's a little bit yeah. less. It's under a million. It hit close. <laughs> and then box office was seven hundred sixty-eight thousand and fifty dollars in the U.S. and U.K. only. So that's weird. Um. Here's some little bonus things. Number one, uh, did you guys know that this were there was a apparently there was a TV series and a live action movie, or they were both live action? But did you guys know this? I didn't know there was uh, a TV series. I knew there was no. a live action movie though. I didn't know about the series. Bro, that live action movie's gotta be fucked to watch. That does not sound pleasant. It does. That was already rough to watch, like animated. For real. Uh, so yeah, apparently yeah. Perfect Blue, the television series, ran from October eighth to December seventeenth in two thousand twelve, and the per and then the movie was uh Perfect Blue, Yumi Nara Satomi Satomi, uh, and that came out August twenty fourth two thousand and two. Um. So and I tried to look it up. I could only get images of the TV show though. So I don't like I you look it up, you get the the cast and the images from the television series, which seem to just tell the movie in like a couple episodes. Uh, The movie I couldn't find much on. So it is within the bowels of Japan somewhere. (laughs) All right. Speaking of bowels, let's go into that's a terrible segue. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That's an awful transition. That was an insulting transition. That that could actually be really great. Speaking of bowels, let's get on to the stabbings. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Speaking of bowels, let's get on to the stabbings of Perfect Blue. Holy crap. Okay. Man, man, oh, man. Okay. Overall thoughts, we'll roundtable it. Alex, since it's your first time back, overall thoughts on Perfect Blue. Oh, I love the fucking movie. It's probably like one of my favorite anime movies. I think the first one I saw I was like really young. Ooh. Not too probably like actually I think I like watched part of it and I kind of turned away. It wasn't during anything graphic, but I think it was a couple of years ago. It was released in theaters again. I saw it again in theaters and I loved it. So I bought I bought the blue the Blu-ray of it and just love it all together. Like. Um, I only saw one other movie by Satoshi Kone, which is uh, the Blim actress, and it, and he has like the same type of confusing style to it too. Uh, let's go over to John. I thought the movie was brilliant. I think that there's definitely a couple different endings that could have been taken. Some that are a little bit more simple than others, and I think that I'd like to believe the the more complex version of events that went down here. And for the record, I'm trying to see if we can find this live action while we're talking. Gotcha, no problem. Yeah, I couldn't find it when I looked. In it. I, to be fair, I did only spend like 30 minutes <laughs> looking at it. Mm. Um, all right, Corey, overall thoughts on Perfect Blue? Um, Overall thoughts. I do, I, I'm going to agree. Like, th- I thought that was a good movie. Now, I feel like if you do not pay attention, because it's, it's, it's still a confusing movie if you pay attention, but if you really don't pay attention, like, you're just going to be like, where the fuck where the fuck am I? It's kind of where I was like, you know, kind of where you get yourself at. But um, I thought it was great. Uh, it definitely, I'm not going to lie to you, it definitely triggered me at some points. Because mm-hmm. I just kind of, it, it kind of had me look away. Just because I don't like watching certain scenes like that. Like, I don't 
mind it all the t- sometimes, but just sometimes I just I can't. You know what I mean? Like especially like it was like I think I was watching this at like two in the morning. <laughs> God. I was like, dude, I can't do this. I can't do this. Not this early in the morning. But oh, like I said, it was a good. <laughs> that's, I was gonna say that's like prime late night movie. That's IFC hours, dude. Like that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know, right? And that's why I, I pretty much that's like why I watched it at that point. Normally, I watch most of the movies like that at that point in time. But like, I sat there and I was just kind of like, motherfucker! Oh my god! <laughs> But like I said, it was great though. I do, I did, I did enjoy it, and I did think it was a, it's a good movie. All right, all right, man. Oh man. Okay, so let me put some context before I go into my overall thoughts. I literally found out about this movie like not even four months ago, as I was writing the schedule for this season. <laughs> I'm telling you, like Christmas is around. I think Glass Onion had just like came out, and I'm like, okay, I need to figure out what we're gonna do. I know in April I want us to do anime. And I want us to build up to Avatar The Last Airbender because in May I want us to do X-Men. Let me search anime movies. And Perfect Blue came up. And I was like, all right, this looks about it. I just look at the genre, thriller, horror, psychological horror. I was like, all right, that's great. Qualifies for the podcast. Left it alone. This is my first time watching this movie. I started it last night, the night before. And I was like, okay, I can't find a dubbed version. So I'm going to have to just watch it subbed. Mind you, I just came back from dance rehearsal, so I was tired, but I was trying to keep myself up. I fell asleep about 10 minutes in, so I had to like pause and had to go to sleep, woke up, and I had to go to work. So when I got home from work is when I finished the movie, and I was so confused, but in the best way. I love psychological movies like this. This movie overall for me, I don't think I fully understand, but I also get it. And with that, I think on the surface, the, the surface level, I love just the art style, the the colors, the use of red in this movie is really good. Uh, the just the characters as they are presented are fun. As far as the story goes and how the story flows is where I trip up because me watching this subtitled and like I said, when I'm usually watching movies, I'm usually multitasking. So it's, I have to like pause and go back and make sure I understand things. And even then with this movie being inherently confusing and as a mystery, I was like, all right, well, am I watching a movie or am I watching a movie within a movie? Is there nightmare things happening? I, I was so I would just expect me to ask a lot of questions. This podcast might work differently on this episode because I may just be having you guys explain the movie to me. <laughs> Much like what happened with Akira. I thought I had a good understanding of akira but apparently i did not so i i'm totally fine with sitting back and letting you guys talk this out because i'm just gonna be bringing up a whole lot of stuff i found weird <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said uh the movie kicks off with a great parody of power rangers and it made me want to watch power rangers turbo <laughs> because that was my yeah, favorite. Sure. that was my favorite version of the power rangers <laughs> just <laughs> power rangers and cars that's all we needed um <laughs> I, really, I liked it. I liked it a lot. So, first question, right off the bat. What is this chick's name? <laughs> Who is this? What is her name? I They gave me three different names in a span of, like, five minutes. And I couldn't... I just kept calling her Miriam. Like, I thought it was Miriam. <laughs> Miriam? <you know? laughs> it's Mima. Mima. Okay. 
because the it sounded like they were saying Meemaw, but I'm like, am I am I reading Miriam? And I just kept writing Miriam down. But man, oh man. Okay, so Mima, and she's a part of this girl group called Cham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. I got Cham. Kind of like a take on Wham too. Now, if you think about it, <laughs> it's a bit it late. Does. It's the '90s though. Wham was like what the '80s? Yeah. No, well, it was like mid '80s, but like still early '90s. Like they were still rocking shit in '91. And I mean, you have to think about how long it takes music to like migrate and stuff. Oh, true, mm-hmm. true. Yeah, because in the 80s, they were still listening to like 50s music in Japan. So that makes sense. According to mm-hmm. Karate Kid Part 2. <laughs> oh my God, that's <laughs> not your fucking. <laughs> so, okay. <sighs> so we got Mima Cham. She's this front, she's the front, you know, headliner of this little girl group that's going on. They're very popular. First thing I notice is that this concert is full of men and there's a lot of men talking about this girl group and this girl right off the bat. I'm like, all right, well, that's a red flag. (laughs) I don't like I'm telling you, I'm just go through this movie with like observations and questions, but I don't even know where to really begin this conversation at guys. Where you're at right there. um, I mean, this is, purely based on anime and so i don't want anyone to think that this is my statement about this being the way that reality is but i know that in a lot of anime i've seen that it tends to be um men and working class men at that that are at these j-pop concerts again in these shows and that's one of the biggest like comedy points of um jujutsu kaisen there's that super strong dude and when he's there, it's literally a bunch of like young working class dudes that are all around him and other high school boys who are there for a female pop idol. That's like teen sensation. So. Yeah. Oh, right. And you know what? You're right. Because I did just like watch that episode not too long ago where they're like going up to the it is a girl, right? They're going up to the girl yeah. superstar and they're like getting autographs and stuff. And he's like a super big fan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Karaka. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's the name. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I that. Under- but if, for the context of this movie, it it felt like creepy right away, and I was like, "All right, so I I know what this movie is going to be about voyeurism, especially with men." And man, oh man, was I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy, man. Okay. Um, we're gonna get into. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and like keep this condensed because. I feel like the more we circle on one thing, that'll just lead us down a rabbit hole. So what I'm going to start off is just with the animation. We talked about how the animation in Akira held up. This one here felt very 90s, but like in the coolest way possible. If that makes sense. How do you guys feel about the animation? Yeah, I definitely... I agree with that because you know it gave it always reminds you like that lo-fi feel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would say that there were parts of it that I enjoyed. There were definitely times that you could see that quality was lacking, but that's all right. I mean, budget constraints are budget constraints. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. There wasn't too many action scenes, so they didn't have to really go all out. So they just kind of chose more like a. They chose most of the creative decisions were around like cinematography, which is where it's shine, where it's just people talking. I mean, the animation ramped up during, like, like, some of the chase scenes or whatnot, but... 
I I really dug it. The anime, I mean the 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 animation sometimes <laughs> when the people were moving specifically kind of reminded me of Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, just like the quick jerks and like the 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 oh mouths kind of moving. I was like, this feels very like late nineties, but I I still like the overall. And I guess I'm saying I like the overall like lo-fi cinematography feel. Like it feels like what we would call cool now. I guess hipster ish now. But I'm guessing, like you were saying, back then it's still pretty like budget budget constraint cheap kind of sort of. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they got what they needed to get across, no doubt. Yeah, it it looks. I think the biggest thing about this one that you know, in Akira, we said that the the Neo Tokyo ness of it all, the Blade Runner ness of it all, was the draw for that animations for us specifically. Uh, but I think in this one, what I noticed right away is something that a lot of filmmakers try to replicate is that like dreaminess, like that foggy kind of dreaminess. And I know like Christopher Nolan does this a lot, um, or a lot in his like earlier movies, but like Insomnia and I guess a little bit in, in Interstellar, but like that, that kind of like haze over the, over the everything where you kind of like, mm-hmm. am I, do I need to like squint a bit or not but like that's it felt very like dreamy very foggy to me um that's what i noticed the most as far as like the look of it all especially as we get deeper and deeper into this nightmare hellscape of a of a life this literal lives holy crap <laughs> which yeah brings me to our main character so her name's not miriam it's M- mima <laughs> how do we feel about mima alex you want to take this uh want to start first uh, yeah, um, I, I like the character. I, I don't think she. Well, it's, it's very odd because she doesn't go through like like a traditional character arc. She's kind of like reacting to what she's going through and just kind of digs in further. And she's mainly confused during the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's she, she's a cool character. Just. To, because you're supposed to be as confused as she is, but you're not sure if she is confused or if, yeah, this this, this is confusing to talk about, but (laughs) I I like it. I think that Mima was definitely a very good character. I think that her development was done pretty well throughout the uh, movie. Like, I mean, at the beginning, she was definitely showing that she was just a, I mean, she was a pop star, you know what I mean? That was the life that she had known, that was the life she had lived, and she was trying to expand her horizons, however, things that she was viewing as growing up and becoming mature were not as uh, wonderful as she had anticipated they would be, because the world is an unfortunate and cruel place. Not to mention the things that she's struggling with that she doesn't know that she's struggling with, but we'll get into that later. Definitely. Mm. So, I kind of just started off not really liking her. Like, I felt bad. But I wasn't like I w- so when I say I didn't like her, it's not like I hated her character. It's just like I was bored with her character. If you guys understand that, like I was just nothing really pulled out to me. Just like it just reminded me of like a Disney Channel star. <laughs> I don't I don't know how else to put it. Like you know what I mean? Like they started doing this thing when they were kids and you know or younger, and now they're older and they're trying to do something more edgy, and it's just it's not working for them. You know what I mean? And so I'm sitting here, like, and like, of course, you know, like you said earlier, like, uh, you know, she, with the mental, uh, the problems that she's having that she doesn't even realize she's having, it's just kind of like, that made her character a little bit better to me, like, 
maybe it made it more intriguing. But with her character, when I first saw her, I wasn't really interested. I kind of, I almost just like kind of brushed off the entire uh, <laughs> movie at first. But we're good, we're good now. <laughs> Y'all made up. Cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After her traumatic experience. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I, it's funny that you brought up Disney Star because, yeah, when we get pop star Cham here, I'm like, all right, well, that's Hannah Montana. It's Japanese Hannah Montana. Um, but, yeah, and she does kind of does go through that character arc that we sadly see or not sadly, but unfortunately see in most of our childhood stars. I think she probably resembles the closest to what Demi Lovato, maybe just going from mm. acting to full fledged singing or going going yeah she disney they kind of marry one of the same but it's kind of the same type of deal where you have these severe mental issues that come into the limelight or affect your life greatly um ironically as of today jake drake bell was reported missing and then found so he's alive but (laughs) allegedly uh what i will say is that when it comes to mima i i did start off being like all right i don't I am kind of bored with her, but the movie just started, so duh. But she, I do like the the what she kind of represents in this theme of duality. I people know I love duality. If you listen to this podcast mm-hmm. long enough, and duality is a huge theme in this movie, so I, I just think that she represents more than what the character actually go does. But and I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Like I do love the fact that she is moving from music to to film which are two things that are often kind of they should be seen as you know within the same realm but they are often seen as two separate conglomerates like they are separate industries and businesses with their own things and they don't they tend to clash a lot um as far as like culture goes and so i do love that dilemma of like she wants to be an actress she thinks she can do this she's done her she's succeeded her goal with singing but like her i thought it was her mom but this is what we get to our next character is it rima that's the name uh rumi Rumi, don't know where i got rima from okay rumi um i thought it i thought she was her mom but she's her manager but she felt like a mom because she was crying in every single scene she was in (laughs) that's fair but i mean with context it it all makes sense as to why she was crying yeah yeah it does make sense it does make sense but yeah, I do love the fact that she was she was against it, and this kind of brings in the main conflict that we don't really find out till the end. But she's kind of hinted at here. But I guess we can just kind of start to talk going into everything at this point when we talk about this character. But uh, how do we feel about Rumi? Bro, she's psycho. What do you mean? How do we feel about her? And girl, like, this is literally the villain of the film. If she oh after her, she gets to do the bowel stabbing we discussed earlier. Keeping it in or not, it happened with a pizza man, and it all happened because of Rumi. It was Rumi. Oh, man. She tried, she tried to make Mima think it was her, bro. <laughs> like Mima was already going a little bit crazy. Homegirl was having like full psychological breakdowns from stress. Completely understandable. Pop star lifestyle, then actress lifestyle, and everybody sexualizing her. Look, bro, I can't front like I know what it's like to be a woman, let alone a woman that's that in the spotlight. Hell no. Nah. 
but <laughs> nah, Rumi's the worst. <laughs> but a pizza man. <laughs> now that's someone we can relate to. <laughs> oh, God. Fair point, fair point. You know, I, I find myself always, uh, not always, I find myself empathizing with villainous characters. You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Hannibal, Norman Bates, uh, Ghostface, you know, Chucky. I just, just so, and I will say... <laughs> Ruby fits right in there with all of them. <laughs> oh my god! I will say, Jesus. okay, yeah, I, I don't want to speak too much because I, w- I want to say something afterwards. But uh, Corey, what, how do you feel about <laughs> this character? Like, like, is she like he's, she's fucking batshit crazy, man. I think going throughout this movie, it's not until oh yeah, so like, it's that ending scene where you find out it's her. Well, like, not that you find it, like, you, like you fi- really see that it's, uh, Rumi, and she's wearing. Uh, what's her name? I keep for, for Mima. Mima's fucking dress and like, like she's literally dressed as her, as her when she was a champ. And you're just like, oh, this bitch is crazy, crazy. Oh my god, would she just kill motherfuckers dressed like this the entire time? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, I was, I can tell you right now. I think I was like, I was, I was sick to my stomach. I don't like her. I hope she is in the furthest pits of hell. Just murder. That pizza guy didn't deserve it. He deserved better than that. He was just trying to do his job, and you know, like you fucking suck. But you know, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, not, she uh, wait, she doesn't kill a pizza guy. She's just dressed up. Or did I miss that? Did she kill the? Pizza? She, she no. She dressed up as the pizza guy. Oh, she dressed up. Oh, no, it wasn't. That's not the pizza guy I was thinking about. She who did she kill? I was trying to. I was trying to. She killed. She killed the photographer. And honestly, yeah, photographer, I'm not yeah. against it. Yeah, no, that's. Yeah, he was a creep. I'll he spoil it now. It's my favorite scene of the entire movie. I love that entire <laughs> No, yeah, I absolutely love it. Don't get me wrong. I If Rumi was doing this from a protective-like POV, which to an extent she was, but if it was protective of Mima, we'd be at once we'd be at one spot. Yeah. But it's protective of like it's not protective of Mima, it's protective of the character that Mima was playing. Yeah, her brand yeah. essentially. Yeah, her True, yeah. Right. She was trying to keep her check. <laughs> Since this is like my second time watching it, like fully, I actually got to like to know that she did it and just like watching it through. Ooh, different. Uh, it, yeah. So it it was it was a lot more interesting because it was just the, the whole movie is about like everyone putting their like ideals onto Mima. So it was like this movie director, the photographer, uh, the creepy guy, but then, like, Rumi, she doesn't get too much, but, like, she subtly says, like, oh, you should be more of a cutesy idol not being an actress the whole time. And it doesn't, like, you can pick up more on it on, like, a second watch through. So you can tell that she was almost as bad as everyone else. Ooh, okay. Well, I guess worse since she's a murderer. Well, yeah, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, aside from all the murder, but that is, that's a good analysis there. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I I totally forgot this character existed while watching the movie. She's not in like she's there, but like I said, I thought she was her mom. So anytime she showed up, I was like, okay, it's the mom character, and the mom character's just gonna console. It wasn't until like the halfway point, I'm like, oh wait, she's not her mom. <laughs> aside from that, I in retrospect. I do like the character, but I do agree she needs to be put away. 
But with, I will say she had a pretty solid plan. Like I gotta give her some kind of credit for that. Like it, she was insane, but she had a pretty solid plan. She was gonna gaslight this girl to oblivion and then become her. Like that's literally Not only that. She like <laughs> used her stalker. Yeah, she yeah, manipulated that's true, yeah. a separate person to like. Oh, that is insane. But like, that is something. That's literally something Hannibal does in the TV show, but that in in a more sophisticated way, you know, they don't use the internet. They use words, but uh, literal words, but that is like, it's insane, but I gotta have to be like, you know what? I see what you were doing and I gotta say it was a solid plan. You were just a tad bit too psychotic to pull it off. Mm-mm. But you know, put this woman in a ghost face costume, and I'm here for it. Like she, she, she could get away with it. She could possibly <laughs> not that you said. She could possibly kill Sydney. That's what I'll say. But uh, aside from uh, yeah, aside from that, go ahead, go ahead. What you were saying? No, I'm just mad that you said that. <laughs> he just <laughs> he's funny, Walter. That's all I got to say. Uh, but yeah, she's she's just the uh, she's weird. I do, and again, we're skipping about about here, which is what we're gonna probably end up doing for all these podcasts. But like the mm. chase scenes in this movie are great. Like they they were very mm. like, you know, as a slasher movie fan, I loved how like, and I, I don't even know like I know animation takes a lot. I'm not the biggest admirer of. Or I, I guess I shouldn't say that. I'm I don't often recognize animation as much as I should, but like watching this movie and again watching Akira was made me like think like wow people actually like drew this and took the time to like animate this and bring it to life and I do love the chase scenes. We get three big chase scenes in this movie, and mm-hmm. I adored all of them. It was very especially like the the second one or the uh, no not the second the very last one. Felt very like tense and very giallo like, which people also know I love Italian giallos. If again, if you want to know the definition of that, they're Italian slash movies or Italian murder mysteries. Especially the, which is why I really love the kill of the the photographer just dressed up as this pizza man, and that whole entire scene was very giallo to me, and just from the stabbing at the eye, and everybody's getting taken out in the eyes in this movie too, like the guy in the elevator. Yeah, but- yeah, that bothered me a little bit. I ain't gonna lie to you. That's like the eyes. I was just like, I kept blinking. You're not an eye person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say that I am, Walter. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, if you watch Texas Chainsaw enough time, you kind of get used to the eyes thing. Go ahead. Oh man, but yeah, such a great, such great use of movement in these scenes is what my main point was. Um. Let's go ahead and get into the stalker idea because this is where I do get confused. So we see this movie. See this movie. We see this stalker man from the very beginning, and he is. It is a he, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it definitely is. I didn't want to misgender him because at some point we do get these like hallucinations and stuff where Mima is like hallucinating that he is turning, like him and. Rumi's like face end up melding together at some point in, in some vision that she has and I'm like well that confused the heck out of me so I thought he was maybe a woman but it is a he or he is a he I should say mm-hmm. oh boy what yeah. does he have a name uh he only has his uh name on that website which is like 
Me Mania, something like that. Me Mania, okay. Me Maniac, I think. Yeah, Me Maniac, yeah. Yeah, and um, the reason she was having that dream was that was definitely her, like, subconscious trying to foreshadow to her that that was what was going on, because Rumi was pretending to be her on the emails, which is what was making him get even crazier. Oh, yeah. Okay. He was reading those emails that were saying, oh, uh, that's not the real Mima. Mima wouldn't do that. I'm the real Mima. That's an imposter, which is what led him to go, like, try to murder Mima herself. Okay, so that answered my next question what was his plan because he 100 percent is just stalking this woman and then he ends up trying to kill her so i'm like well that's uh, a switch in motive but it's not too far off but so he was reading the emails and being the super stan that he was decided to protect or lift up the real mima and so he thought she wasn't the real one yeah he thought that she was an imposter because Rumi was telling him that she was an imposter the entire time. And, Rumi. and then Rumi was going to try to go replace her. <laughs> so it was really all Rumi's master plan that she was using the stalker and his craziness to try to execute. And she was getting away with it for so long because of, uh, I lost her name, Mima. Or Mima's like stress and kind of like just lack of understanding because everything that was going on around her. Jesus, man. Man, that is a lot. (laughs) Can I just interject real quick, though? Can I just say the manipulation in this movie was just fucking, like, I know, I I shouldn't say it's top tier, but it was fucking, it was up there. It was. It was up there. Yeah, it was. was, I'll say it's top tier. (laughs) Yeah. Because, like, okay, so, next question. How much is, I guess, what am I trying to say? Basically, like, so, at what point does the manipulation start to affect Mima's psychosis? Because it's like, okay, so I'm really trying to like piece this together. So I know we start off with the facts and that's where she gets the whole traitor, traitor thing. And I'm thinking that's just mad fans that she's leaving the, the girl group. And then she gets a phone call and that's with the stalker who was like breathing on the phone. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so at some point, I'm guessing there's a time skip from uh, maybe a couple of days and she's on set of this. I thought it was a movie, but it, apparently it's a show. And mm-hmm. I honestly was like, I really kind of see, I really want to know what this like full show is. Cause it looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, one day maybe. Um, and so at, I'm trying to like figure out at what point does she really start to just start losing it? And I, I, that's where I was also confused. I don't remember which scene where she's like, right. yeah, she starts, bleh. Okay, so from my understanding, uh, Mima is going, she, her, like, because of stress, she is stuck between being an idol and an actress. And then she's trying to figure out where she lies in between. And that's where the confusion on Mima's end is. But then it also like intertwines with Rumi's being a manager wanting her to keep her idol image and Rumi wanting to be Mima in the first place. So you got like four things intertwining, like four identities intertwining. I I watched the like like extras on the Blu-ray and like even the director was trying to say, 
oh, these are just some things that are there. I'm leaving it up to the audience to interpret. Man, oh, man. Yeah, I legit was like, I don't get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and it, which rarely happens in movies. Like, you know, I, I think the last time has happened to me specific, specifically when it comes to something with this same kind of subject matter was possibly Fight Club when I watched that for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. but they, you know, we're talking like five years ago. So usually I can catch on to when it comes in, when it comes to like identity stuff. Like I, I love that type of stuff, but I don't know. This movie just got me. Like it just really like caught me off guard. And again, I don't know if it was because I was watching it subbed. I don't want to say that because that sounds racist, but like I was just really trying to like focus as much as I could and understand what was happening. And I just fully fell for this movie, which I guess is a point for the movie. It got me. So <laughs> I should give it its props, you know, but like that's insane. Um, let's see. Where else should we go? What? Anything you guys want to bring up? Um, can I? Uh, yeah, I was. I think I was. I brought this up in the last one. Um, so there's like, and it's it's funny when I looked at this. Like when I watched this movie, um, because I forgot who directed the movie uh, Requiem of a Dream. Oh, uh, Aaron Aronofsky. Yeah, Aronofsky. Yeah. So he he used a scene from this movie in Requiem of a Dream. It's the scene where uh, Mima's in the bathtub and she's under the water and then she starts screaming under the water. That was also in Requiem of a Dream with uh, Jennifer Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, Jennifer Connelly's character. And she did the same exact thing, which I was like, it's cool to see them translate it or just pay homage to, because this was a great movie, a great movie like this. Yeah. Um, What do you guys know? Yeah, it was like one of the extras on the DVD. The director brought that up, and uh, he 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 seemed like he just felt like ripped off on that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought he was paying homage to it. If he was, if he if he stole that scene, then that's fucked up. But if if he was paying homage to it, I'm like, that's good. Meanwhile, my like naive ass for the longest, I thought that scene was in Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> it was it was when I realized it was this movie, I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Especially when you if you've seen Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> All right. Uh let's see. There are some there are some pretty great um iconic shots in this movie, I would say. Like the bathtub scene is iconic. I do like anytime she looks into the fish tank and there's just, just these uh tiny fish happening. Just just tiny, tiny little fish. Mm-hmm. Are they did they die though? Like at some point, they mentioned that they they could be dead, and I was like, "No, please don't! Don't we they killed the fish?" That part I was confused. About. I have no idea. Yeah. I want to say the, this is Romy fucking with the fish. Uh, the fish were alive when she came back from her little hallucination. She realized that everything was good. It was just stress. All right, because she was she was having legitimate hallucinations. Homegirl did have like mental issues that she needed to get addressed, regardless of everything else that was going on, and it's just all exacerbated all of it. God damn. Yeah, because, like, so what I caught in me just trying to be the psychologist, the amateur psychologist, uh, what I caught what I caught was that during filming, anytime she's filming, it feels like she's just having anxiety attacks, like she's having mini panic attacks. And then this starts hallucinating when she's on her own, especially when she's, like, waking up in her bed. I'm like, well, that's a whole different thing I don't know about. <laughs> so I guess stress can do that to you. Um, it can. It definitely can't. I did say that from experience. It again, stress can do that, and stress can also exacerbate. Uh, what was it that they diagnosed her with? Didn't they discuss the uh, oh, personality yes. disorder? Yeah, DID. Uh, dissociative dis- 
identity disorder. That's what it is. I couldn't remember the name of it, but yes, that is what they diagnosed her with, and stress can exacerbate that greatly, which I think is likely what was going on with her. Okay, but was that in the show, or was that actually in real life? Because they're bouncing, at some point they're bouncing between the show and what's happening, and so when they do diagnose her, she's like, what, leaning up against a window? And then at that point, we do see Rumi's face in the reflection, right? And but then they cut out and it's this it's the the show like that they're filming or that they filmed and I'm like well I'm yeah. don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I guess that was the diagnosis. Um, I mean the show for the diagnosis. I don't know. I guess I kind of just took that as an implication that she was diagnosed with that, but I guess she may not have that issue. But to me, I thought she still did have the issue, and this was just exacerbating it. Oh, oh, poor girl. Now, I mean, obviously, Rumi may have it, but also, um, and I learned this just recently because of another TV show, but if you've seen You uh, on Netflix, um, I won't spoil it, but they do bring up the psychological disorder. I forgot the name of it, obviously, but they're basically when someone is so obsessed that they feel like they are best friends with a person usually a famous person we see this in like super fans you know um Mm -hmm. and so that they end up forming this like invisible bond and protection over this person to the point where they become hostile and it kind of leads into stockholm syndrome for the the victim but that they kind of go over that so that's what Rumi is what i feel like is what what's really going on with her but it could also be disassociative identity, which is even more bad <laughs> on her end. The fact that she's really swift with a pair of what a screwdriver. She's really swift with a screwdriver. There she is. <laughs> to all in the eyes. Yeah. Okay. Also, <laughs> more more fucked up. Uh, was her nudes leaked, or was I just seeing random naked women? <laughs> no, um, that was the photographer. That, that was just yeah. the actual photo shoot. Okay. She posed for that, but she was having like a mental crisis over having done it. All right. Okay, because that's what I was confused about that too. Because I'm like, did her news just get dropped online or some shit? Like, what's this fucking? Yeah, like, I'm I like, was... did they? <laughs> did they no, publish? She was news? doing risque photo shoots, and she was having an internal crisis about it. But so was that stalker because when he saw the magazines, people seeing him in public, that's why he bought all those magazines because he didn't want anyone else seeing her naked. Yeah. And then that's when uh, Rumi pretended to be her and was like, I would never do that. That's somebody else pretending to be me. Got it. Got it. Okay, that I did get because it was easy to follow, but he was so pissed off when he saw all those nudes. <laughs> and that kind of leads him to going to kill her. But uh, that was great. I I did like that moment, but I was confused because they kind of came out of nowhere. I was like, did... Did they did they just drop the nudes in the in the weekly magazines in Japan? <laughs> like, damn. But it, it's it's still it all feeds into the whole stardom of it all. She is still seen as this pop star because I don't even think the show has been out yet. She's aside from the show, she's done what a movie. She had like a movie scene, mm-hmm. and that's what she was in like one scene in a movie, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. I love how that back then could determine your entire career. Come <laughs> on, sure. Back then, back well, yeah, I guess but still, still now, now. <laughs> yeah, still now. 
I feel like it's so different. <laughs> yeah, true. But like, I feel like now all you really need is like one episode of a television show to like show your stuff. Not story. really. And then, well, I guess you got TikTok and all that. Ed Sheeran was in one episode of Game of Thrones. I don't count that. <laughs> but he sang a song, which was kind of like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> that was it. But like, you know, you have something kind of like similar to, I'm going to try and bring up actors that people know, but like, what I think about is, um, okay, I'll, I think about Mason Gooding. Like, he had a couple, like, mini, like, roles in movies, like Booksmart. But then he really popped off, if you watch Love, Victor, he was the little side character there. And then from that, now he is seen as this big, you know, up-and-coming actor, be able to scream. And so that's kind of, like, how I feel like the trajectory, the trajectory, one of the main trajectories of some young actors, you know, Nepo or not, go through. Like, you either do that or you go the indie route, which is with Timothy Chalamet, kind of, sort of, Zendaya. But, you know, you get all of that yeah. going there. But, um, honestly, just you do one thing and they give you a Netflix show. <laughs> so, um, but Rumi, Rumi, uh, not Rumi, goddamn, what's her name again? Mimi. Mimi. <laughs> Mima. Mima. Mima, she had a very tough time going about this and that. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so let's let's kind of recap the kills again because after that, there's a whole scene with her eating. A, uh, she's like having tea or something, and she breaks a cup, which launches one of her many many hallucinations and nightmares. But uh, man, oh man, I do love the elevator kill because it's so freaky. Like you don't really see anything, and yet. I was I was having flashbacks of the grudge <laughs> with the uh what is it the 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 radio and then the elevator closes and it opens and this guy is just bleeding from the eyes and there's blood everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Now who was that? Was that the the director? Yeah, that was the, the screenwriter. The screenwriter. Okay. That was the screenwriter. Mm. Okay. Because she does end up doing this really really kind of messed up scene. Like I was kind I wasn't. I guess I was uncomfortable, but again I was very like tense to she's basically there's a scene where she has she's like getting assaulted at a nightclub i guess for the, yeah. the show she's doing mm-hmm. and it's uh it's very lengthy like it went on a it little bit watch, too yeah. long <laughs> and i'm guessing this is the moment that you couldn't watch Corey. yeah i kind of was just like ah i can't fully watch this i'm like ah yeah, mm-hmm. even the director said he probably went too overboard with that scene. Yeah, it was massively uncomfortable. Man, massively. I do, like, I do like the way it starts, though. He's like, I wish we were shooting at a real nightclub, and I'm like... Like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, get, 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 put the clothes on the girl, goddammit. <laughs> to be fair, uh, she did a really good job. <laughs> she, I was yeah, like, she, she could get an Oscar <laughs> right. She can get an Emmy right now. Like... <laughs> She, she's very believable. I can tell you that right now. That made me so uncomfortable. I'm just like, God damn, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it went on for so long. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. The timing was kind of weird, too, because like, you're like, okay, we're going to cut. Okay, we're going to cut. Okay, we're going to cut. And then it just never cut. You're just like, oh. So we're going to stop this at some point, or we're just going to keep this going. You know what I'm saying? They were cutting to reposition the camera. Yes. Yeah, and the guy's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> She's like, oh, you're yeah. fine. You're doing great. <laughs> She's just so cool with it. But I do, I did notice that in that scene, that's where Rima, Rima, Rumi. I don't know, I keep getting Rumi, yeah. 
Mima. Me, no, no, the Rima. girl, the other one. No. The other one. Okay, Rumi. <laughs> Rumi, Rumi. She's she's crying in that scene. Like she gets up and like runs out. Well, I'd probably be crying too. That's really uncomfortable, it especially is. if it's like somebody yeah. that I actually know when I'm actually watching it. Because even knowing that it's acting, that's really ugh. yeah. Kind of doesn't make it any better, you know. It doesn't make it any better just because you know it's acting. You're like, this is somebody that I I know personally. And you're just like, well, I'm kind of watching them get raped in this specific scene and it's just kind of something that you just don't want to sit there and watch not kind of you just don't want to sit there and watch it that's all it is i agree i mean like i said yeah it kind of just it kind of felt like i I know they cut at that point to reposition but it kind of it was just like walter said it just kind of lasted really yeah that was my only thing my only issue that it kind of lasted really long but i got the the point of it um but jumping off of there Parallels. I love a good parallel in movies, and we do see this scene paralleled many different, not many different times, but in one specific time where she is being chased by the stalker, which again, a great chase scene. It was very Scream 2 to me. She's running through the, the or I guess Scream 3, but she's running through the set, and she ends up on, uh, she does that, you know, rape scene, and then later on she does the whole, I just killed a man scene. Well, I guess that happens after this whole chase scene with this the stalker, but I did like that because she ends up in the same position, and it's uh, no one's around to help her. She's screaming for help, and then she knocks him on the head with a hammer. Was that a is that a hammer? I'm guessing. Oh my bad. One object. I wrote in my notes. I'm like, I think you need to do more than just one hit in the head. He deserves a little more. <laughs> if it's in the temple, it'll work. Well, true. <laughs> and then that requires continued interaction. Yeah, <laughs> but like, so she hits him in the head, and he ends up laying on top of the table in the same position as the other guy. And again, another freaky scene where she's, you know, just pretend you just killed the guy. Just breathe. Just breathe a lot harder. And then she looks, and he gets up, and it's the dude's face. And I was like, ah, it scared me. That guy's face. I don't know why they drew it like that. I mean, I get why. But yeah, like, his face was just fucking weird. Can I just say that too? Like it, 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 it made you uncomfortable. I think it, that was on purpose, but like it made you uncomfortable. Yeah, just looking at him. I thought a lot about uh, Sloth from Goonies. <laughs> I mean, Sloth was a good guy, though. You know, so I was like, a, he's a great guy. He, he, in that movie, <laughs> in this oh, movie, yeah, sure. they gave him the face of a monster. Oh Lord Jesus. That's probably, like, the best-looking ugly I've ever seen. Like, there's, like, levels to ugly. But that's, like, the perfect amount of ugly to a person I've ever seen. Yeah, I have, to, I have to agree with you on that one. That was, like, a really good ugly. You're just like, damn, boy, what the fuck? <laughs> yes, if I, were to, if I had to, like, put it in competition, I would just bring out the chicken from Moana. But other than that... <laughs> I thought it was interesting that both the stalker and Rumi were the only people with eyes spaced out like that. Okay, great. I also wrote that down, so I wasn't the only one. No, yeah, you weren't the only one at all. Like I was kind of like, why are their eyes so fucking far far apart right now? Great job, especially the stalker because he's like using binoculars and shit. So I'm like, does he does he like scrunch his face together? <laughs> How is he looking out of one? Is he looking at a one binocular? At a time. The binocular. Yeah. Eye, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, their eyes are super, du- especially at the end for Rumi. I feel like her eyes just like separate and then just never stop separating. 
<laughs> like, they just keep like throughout the entire chase, they're just let's put more space. Fucking um, Sid from fucking Ice Age out here, <laughs> fucking so straight apart. Could you imagine being chased by Sid with a knife in his hand? <laughs> Bro, no, <laughs> it's just fucking horrifying. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, okay. Uh, another thing I want to get you guys, you guys, I got to learn how to speak English. I, another thing I want to get your your thoughts on. Um, So M- Mima is having these hallucinations, like we said, and she's seeing a different version of herself, her, her Chan self, if you will. I love her Chan self. Like, I know she's kind of like inherently bad. Like, it's her, you know, her negative, her negativity in embodied. But like, she... I don't know how to describe it. I just, I love the way she's like glowing and animated and it's always smiling. And I do love the fact that anytime she goes away, she's just like hopping and floating and flying. Like, I love the scene. It's, and I posted this, I posted this gif on Twitter, but I love the scene where she's like hopping away out of the window and on top of the street lamps. Like, that was like really beautiful to me. If I could just loop that and watch it, I would be perfectly fine. But I think you might have a thing for a J-pop star. That's really what I'm hearing right now. Yeah, oh, that's no. also what I'm hearing as well. <laughs> Homie's got his first hentai crush. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> In that case, please someone else talk. <laughs> no, well, no, I you, you duck your whole. Go ahead, you duck your whole player. Go ahead and finish it. <laughs> no, but like, yeah. How do you guys feel about? This separate, <laughs> this separate Mima, and w- what do you think she means? Is my my main question there. Um, I think she she just represent, and this is what I perceive is that she represents the doubt. You know what I'm saying? Like she did look all poppy and like you know she like it's like mm, it's like a dark humor version of a character. Like her twist when she'd like be so fucking negative, but like she'd be talking in like the most like high pitched cutesy voice, like. You're not good enough. And you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, a good... The, what? <laughs> so, um, I kind of I like, I kinda like that, too. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Like, I liked how they did that because it wasn't like some weird, dark... Uh, like, some dark version of her. It's just, like, it's her and what she thought was her at her best moment and just... It's her putting herself down, pretty much. Yeah, Comparison right. is the yeah. thief of joy, my dude. Exactly. See, yeah. See, you said that a lot better than I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, like, what we see with her internal struggle of identity is definitely still prevalent today. And what we can see in, like, today's J-pop and K-pop stars, it's not really, like, a scene that I'm into. But I've seen, like, news stories about them all, like having multiple mental health issues, being, like, attacked by stalkers, people stalking them on a regular basis, people committing suicide because of all the stalkers that they have. Like, I don't know. It's it's honestly a really, really terrible culture that has a very heavy impact, not only in, like, J-pop and K-pop culture, but even in American culture. I mean, think about what happened to Britney Spears, you know? So yeah. it's not surprising that uh, this occurs with Mima, unfortunately, and the effects that it has on her are really, really disastrous. But even more so, what is terrible is the people in her life taking advantage of her and using not only her as an object, her as an individual, but her status and her achievements to their advantage, i.e., in this case, I'm talking about 
uh, oh, I just lost the name, Rima. Yeah. What's her name? Or okay. Rumi. Rumi. I, Rumi, like, there we go. I don't know where no, I got good. Rima from. I don't know. I'm thinking of something you're else. You're good. You're good. Uh, Rumi. Um, and that's where Rumi comes in. I mean, that's the classic manager, momager thing that you see with, like, I don't know, Chris Kardashian, Britney Spears' parents, all of them. Yeah. So it's like a consistent theme that really does reflect reality, which is part of what makes a lot of this a lot scarier. I don't know. That, like, pressure, that external pressure that she has manifests itself, and I think it's interesting that they decided to go with a visualization that makes you question throughout the entire film whether this just is her psychological break or whether she's having a psychological break and there's something else going on, which obviously it's for lab. But I don't know. It was very hard to tell until literally, like you guys said, the mirror scene where you see that it is rooming in the dress. Yeah, I was going to say, they decided both. Both was both options are true. She's having a psychological break and someone's fucking with her. And that's like, that's, I think, I just want to, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but just like, that is just like the icing on the cake to it, right? She's already fucking having a rough time trying to get adjusted to being like an actress and like doing something else that she's not used to. And then her manager's like, yeah, you know what? I want to be you. So I'm going to just fuck with you for the entire time. I'm like, God damn, boy. <laughs> fucking give her a break. <laughs> for real. I didn't mean to do that, but that just that just hit me really hard, too. Oh, no, that was tough. That was really a tough watch. I'm not gonna lie. I got like a little bit into it, and I almost texted Walter and was like, "Bro, I don't know if I can do this, man." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what. I don't think I can finish this, man. I don't know. Bro, I really did think about it for a second. I had the message typed up on Discord and everything. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you would have just seen me you. in a dress, like right next to you, be like, oh, "You can do it." We believe. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the real John now. Don't worry. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> just watch the fucking movie. Yeah, just. Like... <laughs> oh my god! First time I watched this movie, like the theater was full of like maybe like forty people. So, like we all just had to watch that together. <laughs> oh wow! Talk yeah. about a bonding experience. But it was silent. Everybody like walked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like everyone. I think everyone knew except for me. Like what was all the movie? I knew it was like a psycho thriller thing. But I know it was like all of that. I liked it because it was like the only, uh, I guess, supernatural element of the movie. Kind of, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was just it added another character, and you just didn't know if it was some type of like. DID with uh, Mima, but I, even on the second watch, I'm like, okay, maybe that's Rumi as well. So it, it's just a new character that complicates the movie even more, and it was good. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I, I love her. I just the fact that she just bounces around. <laughs> um, but I, I at least until the end where she ends up becoming the the actual killer. But like, I do. Well, that she pops in every now and then. Like, You're terrible at this, and then she's like, "Go away!" Like, what the hell, dude? Like, I think I, you heard that. I just heard that. I'm like, wait, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Let's talk about the our interpretation of the ending, and then we can probably end for the night. Uh. Unless there again, if there's anything else you guys want to bring up, feel free to go ahead and bring it up. 
But um, mm. like I said, I love the chase scenes. I think the third chase is the most thrilling because holy, she is running. She is doing. You know, I like to call in slasher movies the final girl circuit. You know, they the the final girl marathon. She is running for her life in this ending here. I <laughs> but I also just love the reveal because again, I'm thinking. She at this point, I'm fully convinced. Like, okay, she's split into two. She's got two different personalities, and now she's confronting herself. I literally wrote down she's literally trying to kill herself, and then it didn't click until I was looking at the reflections, and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's a Who fat girl. You? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big girl. Oh my god! <laughs> and then I realized, oh that. That makes a lot more sense. They got me. They got me there. But yeah, and I, I noticed a little bit too late that it was Rumi dressed as uh, Mima trying to kill her. And I love the entire just her scaling the building and then deciding to just jump and fall down. I'm like, yep, I've seen Scream. That's a Sydney move. And then her just going mm. roof to roof, just trying to like going across the bridge, yelling for help, and no one's there. <laughs> uh, I do like the. I do think the the most creative part of it though is the fact that like we only see Rumi through the reflections, and so she is looking at herself the in, most of the entire time until the end where they're flicking back and forth before the 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 bus comes, but. I, I love that a lot. The fact that like she's running and we only see Rumi through the reflection of the windows and like stuff like that. But um, again, uh, starting with you, Alex, what, what's your interpretation of the ending here in this final chase? Um, yeah, I think it was like pretty clear cut. That it's like, okay, this is the final reveal that Rumi is the killer and then just is going after Mima the whole time. And, like yeah, the chase sequence was like probably like, the best one of the whole movie, but uh, I, I read like even like some interpretation like at the very very end because uh, when Mima looks into the car mirror and says like no I'm real, people are saying like because she said that to a mirror, maybe Mima was the actual killer somehow. Ooh. But uh, that's just, like up to yeah. interpretation. Yeah, it's yeah. Just all because she looked into the mirror. If you just said that, it would have been something, but because it was to the mirror, it could have been her, or at least she still has some type of DID thing going on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I still think Ruby was just the killer, and it was just a good ending to the movie. Corey? Um, so, I thought it was great, too. So, you know what's funny? Watching this movie, I thought, too, like, Walter, I thought the same thing. Like, I thought she was going to do this whole Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin thing. Like, you killed him. (laughs) We killed them. (laughs) Just, like, yelling at herself in the the mirror. (laughs) That's literally what I thought was going to happen. So I'm sitting there like, oh, oh God. And then, like, because I I thought I figured it out. But then as soon as you see, like, Rumi pop up wearing the clothes and everything like that, I'm like, well, no, first of all, I think, wasn't she, like, wearing the wig and everything like that? And then she, like, looked like her, but just chunkier. I'm like, why does she look bigger? Am I tripping right now? And then when she lost the wig, I'm like, wait, what the fuck is going on? I, okay, all right. I think I think, I think, think I need to take a breath. And then it's, that chase scene was kind of cool, though. I'm not going to lie. But I think I like the, like, the actual ending, the best part. Because it just kind of seemed like 
weirdly she felt sure of herself, but like again, I think what what I interpreted from the mirror scene was just like she's she's been having these hallucinations like this whole time that she's saying I'm real, just like saying like she's real or she's like you know the real her, just because of the fact of like she's not hallucinating anymore. Like she's she's good now. She's great. She's Gucci. She says, I know who I am. And the movie starts off with her saying, who am I? And again, exactly. Poeticness, people. Cinem- cinema, people. Okay, continue. Full circle, as I like to call it. Full circle. Full Monty. No, just kidding. <laughs> Not full Monty. Okay. John. I think that there's really two ways I thought the ending might have been going. There's definitely a possibility it was some Black Swan thing, which is kind of what I was thinking for a minute. I was like, I wonder if Rumi was really just there trying to help her. And this was just a continuation of her being crazy on top of all of this. You know what I mean? And then she just stabbed one of her only homies in the face, and then she got hit by a bus. But in reality, given the emails that were being sent to the stalker and everything, that's kind of the clue that led me to be like, ah, you know, actually, I think that I think it really is just kind of a straightforward ending of she was having all of these external pressures. And I think that the ending was really a really good culmination where I was literally right up until the end, not exactly sure who the villain was, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I liked it. I, I agree with all of your interpretations because I was, again, very confused. I legit thought that <laughs> Rumi was her mom up until like the chase started and i'm like wait a minute that's not her mom like i thought it was her mom i literally wrote down mom's a nightmare but mom's kind of nice though and i was so confused um mom's a nightmare <laughs> i wrote you don't even know how much mom's a nightmare <laughs> i also wrote down uh i just thought it was so funny she's literally trying to kill herself i said that earlier but i was like um yeah, when she falls off the, the thing, she really took a, a leap of faith, and then I wrote, oh, shit, the bitch can fly. <laughs> oh, shit, the bitch can fly. <laughs> oh, but yeah, the, the, I really do like this ending. Like I said, I like the chase. I do love the fact that, like, she loses... She's is she Does she carrying a knife, or does she have the screwdriver? Is that what she's trying to kill her with? I think it was the screwdriver. was like an ice pick. Yeah. It looked like oh, an ice pick, but they say it was a screwdriver at some point. Uh. But yeah, she has, I think it's a screwdriver. Yeah, she loses. The screwdriver is used to kill the, uh, the pizza guy. Green Rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the pizza. As guy. the God. pizza guy. Yeah, yeah. It will. <laughs> 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 Who's who? No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I I really enjoyed that whole thing. And then what really got me is the fact that like she has her pin. She ends up losing the the knife or whatever. And grabs an umbrella. Like, that perfectly placed umbrella just happened to be there. And she gets her. And then, uh, yeah, this is where Mima takes off the wig. And I just thought, that is hilarious. Just in and of itself. Like, oh, the, my best way out of here is to literally snatch your wig. And because of like, how... Uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I, I was just, I was agreeing with you, sorry. Yeah, yeah, just, <laughs> she literally snatches her wig, and then because of how disassociated she is, she's like, oh no, like, <laughs> she's like, oh no, my wig, and she literally falls into the, like, the glass that she broke, and, like, impales herself, and I'm like, she killed herself over a wig, basically, like, that police report <laughs> is one of the year, like. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I thought about that, too, just, like, all right, so remember you—you've watched Watchmen. I know you have. Yeah. 
So it's just like the Rorschach thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Where Rorschach, where they, where they took off Rorschach's mask, like, not my face, my face. You know, it's just like I think it's just a part of that, you know, identity thing where she's like, this is me as this person, and you took my hair off. Now I'm not this person. Even my fucking wig back. <laughs> yeah, it's like Norman when he switches over to mom, he magically exactly. summons a, a gray wig and a dress. You know, <laughs> he turns. Into- um, but yeah, that, and then as far as like interpret my interpretation of the very, very end, you guys kind of gave your spiel. I, one was like, she's alive. How she literally stabbed herself in the stomach with a, a large sheet of glass, but, and then got hit by a bus, which I think is just a staple in most anime, but you know, someone gets hit by a bus. I think about how, uh, they did my boy Roy Penberg in, uh, in death note, like, they kind of faked us out with the bus thing there and then killed them anyway. Uh, I I was very confused still. I'm like, okay, so they're two separate people. I got that. But it did feel like, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this movie, but it's a movie called uh, Hot Tension or High Tension. from. Uh, it's a French movie from uh, Alexander. I forgot the name. Dang, I forgot the name. But um, it's a French movie. It's kind of similar to this. They kind of take some beats, but... There, it kind of has the same ending with the, the bright hospital ending. I'll, I'll, that's all I'll say. I won't spoil it because we might do it for the podcast at some point. It's been on the list several times, but it's been voted off. Um, but we'll get to high tension at some point because it's a great movie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that this thing did, and then she gets to the car, and then she says, "I'm real," and I'm like, "Okay." I took it as a very happy ending, and then. To understand more about this movie, I did go to YouTube and was like, all right, explain it to me because I didn't understand anything. And so people were like, they pointed out the fact that, like, the voice actress that says the very last line is the same voice actress for uh, Rumi. And I'm like, well, damn, (laughs) that makes it even worse. So, like you guys are saying, we don't know. We're not. It's very ambiguous. We don't know who's who at this point i mean visually they're telling us who's who but also it could be the whole you know like john i think you were saying that it, maybe she was killing people the entire time whoever said it, but whoever she maybe she was the one killing people and maybe she does have these two separate sides and Rumi was just a a pawn after all which puts the whole entire movie on its head like that's insane but um, we're we're left with our little Inception ending, and I I appreciate that. I love little ambiguous endings like that. Any last thing we want to bring up? I know she gets the umbrella and stabs her, and I again I meet I think of Scream with the umbrella, and I'm like, I felt that like Billy Loomis did. So, uh, but other than that, oh, also I was impressed that she was running barefoot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Got to bring that up. Uh, I'm surprised the killer wasn't one of her ex bandmates. I feel like that would be something. If it, if this movie was Americanized, that's the, definitely who the killer would be. Would be one of the ex bandmates. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought I was gonna say. Well, I mean, I see where you're coming from, but I kind of like the manager angle because it just shows, like, yeah, she had that mob instinct, but at the same time, she's always been on the sidelines. And we don't, and, and like the backstory. I don't think there's there really isn't a backstory. Oh, actually, yeah, uh, no, they did give the backstory that Rumi used to be a pop star herself. Oh, shit. They did, didn't they? Yeah. That might have been a part I, that might have been a part I got confused over. Okay. 
So I <laughs> I got confused. I thought they were still talking about fucking. I keep forgetting her name. Mima. Mima, thank you. Like, why do I keep forgetting? Mima, Marima, Marie, Marion. Moraine, yes. I know. <laughs> They're all. Malone, you know. <laughs> no, my God. But, yeah, no, like I said, it's just Mima's like. Like I just thought they were talking about Mima's character, but yeah, now that just now that you think of now, now I think about it watching this they're talking about her. But like I think she just missed that part of her life and she was trying to live it vicariously through Mima. And then when Mima switched up, she was like, I'm gonna go ahead and take over the reins. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me drive the boat. <laughs> let me drive the boat. <laughs> All right, guys. With that being said, final question of the night and then we can go. Do you recommend Perfect Blue? Uh, I want to start with Alex. Well, yeah, uh, I recommend Perfect Blue, and I also recommend uh, the Millennium Actress. It's another uh, film by Satoshi Kon. It's like a, it's like a love story, but it's like an older actress recounting like that love story throughout all the film sets she's been in. So you don't know whether the events took place inside of the film or in real life, and it's like. The same type of confusing narrative thing that he does in Perfect Blue. It's really, I think it's on Amazon. Yeah. John, do you recommend Perfect Blue? I absolutely recommend Perfect Blue. I think that it was a short movie. I think it was pretty to the point, but only at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah, only at I, the end. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. All right, all right. And Corey. Uh, I'm going to agree with John and Alex. Yes, I agree that this is a movie that people should watch. Can I, and I can be real with you. This is kind of what got me into Because you remember, you know me, I'm not really big into horror. But, like, this kind of got me into, like, the psychological thrillers, really. Because I wasn't, you know me, like, you remember how I was back in the day. I was such a fucking scaredy cat. With all that but, like, <laughs> now I can tolerate them a little bit better. Just And this is, like, I think this is the first movie I watched where I just kind of, like, I could tolerate it a little bit better, but <laughs> but John's right. Like it's not till the end of the movie where things are kind of just very straightforward, and most of it's just kind of have you sitting there like you have to think about it a lot. But like I do recommend. It. As for me, I once the movie ended, I said to myself, "Well, I didn't understand shit, but I liked it, <laughs> so it's a recommend for me." But like, it's like a very like. It's a recommend. Like, I recommend this movie. I recommend people watch it. But, like, you know, be prepared to, like, take mental notes <laughs> on it. Um, but, it, yeah, it's it's a recommend for me. It's, it's good. It looks good. I think the visuals of the movie are very... It's, it's There's a reason certain things, scenes of this movie are still, I guess relevant i mean the themes of this movie are very relevant for today as we were we kind of displayed talking about celebrities and everything so it's this movie is just a it's a unique prize it's very rare this is my first time watching the movie for the podcast in general it's very rare that i watch the movie for the first time we do these most of the time i'm introducing a movie to people but this was a this was a fun this was a <laughs> I shouldn't say fun so it wasn't a fun watch but I it was a really interesting watch and I would I would definitely go back to this movie and try and watch it again um so yeah guys part two of our anime series is now complete we're gonna move on next episode we are tackling a very famous anime film 
Ghost in the Shell. And I have not seen this original anime. Uh, I've seen clips. Other than that, I have seen the Scarlett Johansson live action movie. Um, oh my God. The less said, the better. <laughs> not gonna, not gonna touch that one. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe we'll re. Do I want to? Do I want to rewatch that? I don't want to rewatch that. Let's just you know tune in next time. We'll talk about the original Ghost in the Shell, and that'll bring us closer to the end of our little mini anime series. Um, but that won't be all the anime we do this year. Uh, but I will tease that later. All right. With that being said, guys, thank you again for joining me. It's great having you guys back on. It's great to have you guys included in the lineup for season five. I've had a great time talking to you. I hope you guys had a great time talking as well. Of course, yeah. It's been a great time, my friend. Yes, 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 yes. Bro, this movie hit me right in the bowels. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was going to say that. <laughs> same page, same page. See, this is why. That's why I leave it up to you guys to do the endings. But yeah. <laughs> All right. And with that being said, we'll catch you again on the murder board. I do like the the song she sings at the beginning. Like I wish she sang more in this movie.